Welcome into Ledlow and Parker. Welcome into 2020. I know we're a few days behind, but it's the first time we have personally welcomed you into 2020. Have you messed up writing 2020 yet? No, but I haven't really written. Okay. Let me know when that happens. That I do that until like March. Actually, an excellent reminder to send in my mortgage check. Uh, either way, we've got a big show. Jimmy Butler is joining us to talk about the red hot, white hot heat. White hot. Because that- we just learned that it's like the hottest part is when it's white. I don't think you just learned that. You just yeah, taught me that. That's okay. I was just trying I to. I just learned that. You know, yeah. we're together. So. <laughs> and also. Allie Love, one of our favorite Peloton instructors. She's going to not only talk about how to approach this new decade, but she's also the Brooklyn Nets and Arena host, and she's going to talk to us about her background leading into basketball. Candace Parker is along with us tonight. And moments ago, Kristen Ledlow. Parker, what a look inside. Kristen Ledlow is on our sideline with the terrific Candace Parker. I'm Kristen Ledlow. I'm Candace Parker. And this is Ledlow and Parker. Before we get into any of that, though, Candace, we're celebrating, we're honoring the life and the legacy of David Stern. Welcome to the 1984 NBA Draft. The Houston Rockets select Akeem Olajuwon, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley. The Orlando Magic selects Shaquille O'Neal, Dwayne Wade, Scott Pippen, Kobe Bryant, David Robinson, Allen Iverson, Jason Kidd. Patrick Ewing, Kevin Garnett, LeBron James. And let me say what a privilege it's been to do this for the last 30 years and to welcome the tremendous young men. I love what you tweeted earlier this week. You said, your legacy is what you stood for and what lessons you leave to those left behind. David Stern, I'm so thankful for the impact you've had on my life and the opportunities you gave all of us in the WNBA. You leveled the playing field long before it was the thing to do. I mean... At 11 years old, the WNBA started. I can remember when I heard that there was going to be a professional league for women. And the summer before, I went out in my driveway, and I grew up in Chicago, so I was trying to shoot like Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, BJ Armstrong, Ron Harper, all those guys. And then that summer, after the 96 Olympics, I went out in my driveway, and I was like, you know, I want to shoot like Tina Thompson, like Cynthia Cooper. And just to have that opportunity to have a professional league to aspire to play in. And, you know, David Stern was a huge part of bringing that to life. And he was a huge part of the growth of not just NBA basketball, I think just global basketball. Without a doubt. I started covering the NBA the season that Adam Silver took the helm. So I didn't work for the NBA or as a reporter covering the league when David Stern was was at the helm. But... I became very quickly supremely aware that we were all products of his vision. What a lot of people see as the NBA's, I think, most attractive qualities. It's global reach, uh, it's access to superstars, it's it's media coverage, which now is nearly 12 months a year. A lot of that was conceived by David Stern. And that's not even to mention what he did for the WNBA before, like you said, before equal opportunity was a part of popular conversation. And that's the thing. I think a lot of people forget, you know, women's soccer was huge at that point in time. If you remember... I don't know if it, I don't know if you did this in your driveway of taking off your shirt like Brandy Chastain. Absolutely. But I think everybody tried to do that at yeah. some point in their lives. Yes. I mean, same thing with women's gymnastics. I mean, there were a lot of different directions those sports could have gone and could have taken. But basketball, here we are, the longest standing sports league, women's sports league that uh, the United States has ever seen. And, 
you know, to, to be a part of that now, to have my daughter be able to aspire to play in the league, just like my nephew can and does. But also, I think just looking back and being able to grow up, I had my brother, my brother played in the league for 10 to 12 years. I, I'm sorry, I don't know the exact yeah. number of years, but he could probably call him. Yeah, I can call okay, him yeah. and, and ask him. But <laughs> he was a player during those CBAs when there were lockouts. He was a player when there were dress codes. He was a player during those times where not everybody believed in the vision that David Stern had. And I love the fact that he stayed true and held tough to his values and his vision. And I think everybody didn't always agree with him at the time, but we're reaping the benefits because of it. And, you know, obviously extremely um, sad in his passing, but the legacy that he's left behind to have a huge part in what the league is today, I mean, that speaks volume to, to who he was and how you lived your life. Very easy to celebrate. As we move on, it's time for... I will handle it with dignity and class. You certainly messed up a lot more than I did. I think all of us just want to leave the league better than when we came into it. And that's what we said. That's what we said. That's what we said. That's what we said. <laughs> that's what we said. 2020 edition. All right. <laughs> Kevin Love has been the talk of NBA Twitter over... Well, the weekend? Has I mean, it gone longer it's than the weekend? Been like a month. Visibly upset at his teammates during a recent game against the Thunder. He's been rumored in talks of a trade out of Cleveland, but he has defended his relationship with his teammates on Instagram. First and foremost, reactions, Candace, because if the people can't see you, they can hear you, but they can't see your eyes rolling. I'm a firm believer in actions speak louder than words. And Although you've said in the past that you can form your narrative on Instagram and that's the power that players have, then you have this visual and it's not just one visual, it's several visuals. And I, as a player that is later on in her career, can understand the frustrations that Kevin Love has. You've gone from playing championship contending basketball year after year to now kind of back to the beginning of his career, like in Minnesota. And it can't be fun, but you can't deny that there's something and there's not all love (laughs) in Cleveland. You, though, are also, can I say, an emotional player. You wear your emotions on your sleeve. I'm zen now in 2020, though, Kristen. I love this. Nothing's going to bother me. New year, new you. New year, new me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, continue. How difficult, though, is it? When you recognize that your career may have hit its peak and now time is running out to keep winning championships and you're looking around and seeing I'm not in a winning situation. That's what I'm saying. There's frustration and he's not the type of person or player to come out and demand a trade, but I'm sure that behind closed doors, I don't know what all was the plan when he did sign his extension, but life in Cleveland doesn't seem to be as fun as it once was. Right. <laughs> if it was yeah. fun. Listen, we won a championship there and you know we went to the hotel and and part like so so if there's not basketball outside of basketball, I mean no offense to our Cleveland listeners, but I don't know if it's like the happiest 
place that he could possibly be. Right, unless you're interested unless in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Exactly. Which, they have a really nice Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Chris. Oh, and I've gone several times. But Kevin's 31. Apart from those seasons that he's played with LeBron, he's primarily played on losing teams. So I think that frustration is understandable. It's maybe even overdue at this point, but he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild that isn't rebuilt around him. So if there was some understanding that has now turned into a misunderstanding and he wants to continue competing for championships and he was perhaps told that this rebuild was going to be rebuilt around his game, then again, it's understandable and perhaps overdue. You know, the Player empowerment movement is at an all-time high. At what point, though, is there a responsibility not only to the contract that you've committed to, whether or not you'd agreed to terms that have no longer come to fruition, or even to leading as a veteran the younger players that are alongside you? Because again, like you said, we can try and, and change or at least control the narrative on our own because of social media, but at the same time, there are very obvious visuals. There's very obvious visuals, but when I've won a championship as Kevin Love has, and you just gave me this extension and I'm the backbone of this franchise, and then there's words that come out from the front office that I'm not a leader, I'm not the leader of the franchise, I don't know if that can just be thrown around lightly. And I believe that in order to get respect, you got to give it. And with an organization that is trying to build and trying to get that respect and trying to get young guys to understand that, you know, you do things the right way. This is not a representation on both sides of doing things the right way. And leadership comes in different forms. It can be positive. It can be negative. You can be outspoken and loud. And there's been some great leaders that I've been a part of teams that rarely say anything. Right. You can be bold without being loud. You can be loud. bold without being yeah. loud. And that's my thing. I don't like the strip of the leadership. Like, I don't think that you can just strip that away from somebody. <sighs> and losing brings out the bad. Without a I doubt. Mean, it, winning it, covers up a lot of things. <laughs> and, you know, at the, at the beginning of the year, a lot of people were singing, oh, Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love have really bought into Beeline system. And, you know, it's been a seamless transition. And, and then we've they, seen on both <laughs> sides. And we've seen it. It's not that way. Each of those players pushing back. Well, I know Kevin and I know that Kevin doesn't want to to, to leave a legacy that looks like this. I know he wants to set an example that's better than this one. So how much is that on him to just decide to better his environment while he's there? Or perhaps on the front office to say, you know what, this is done. We're going to part ways. We're going to make it quick to come up with an exit strategy so that the legacy he leaves in Cleveland is that of a champion and a leader. I think that we realize that this has come to an end and you can't be happy playing basketball when you've won championships and you've, you've tasted victory. And as a franchise, you know, if you're going to build around the young guys then you should start now. Let's move on to all-star voting because we are now what, weeks away from all-star weekend in your hometown. Candace, are you Shy excited? Town. Are you excited? So excited. Yes. <laughs> We got the first all-star voting returns. These, of course, are the fan votes. Luca and Giannis, the two highest vote getters after the first return of these fan votes. So if the game was tomorrow, those two guys would be the captains. That's really awesome. It's Especially exciting, isn't it? Just for international basketball. 
and international players. But I will say it's it's the fans, and it, it, that's what All Star is about. And in the entire country of Slovenia is probably voting for Luca. Oh, without a doubt. Like I don't think that they they probably vote every day as many times as you possibly can Correct. and make sure that their cousins, grandmas. And yeah. the guy down the street <laughs> is voting for Luca, And I think it's great. I mean, you love a superstar. Giannis, reigning MVP, he's the Greek freak who wouldn't vote for him. But I will say this, the allegiance to some players. You look at Zaza Pachulia when he was playing for the Warriors and how many all-star votes he got. Yeah, I mean, having an entire country behind you in voting and being good. I mean, he's right. See, Luca's that, being mentioned with MJ and LeBron. Right. So, I mean, he's got to back it up. I think that the easy explanation, and of course an obvious one, is the international fan voting as well. The game is such a global game now, and now some of these countries have representatives that they want to throw their weight behind. But these are also two players sitting on top of the MVP ladder. It's not like we're putting somebody in a game that doesn't deserve to be there. If this game were tomorrow the fans would have selected the two best players on the court in any form or fashion right now. It would be exciting to see, you know, the picks between Giannis and Luca and see how they I think so too. How they pick their team, the way that their minds yeah, work. It's going to be nice. I mean, two international players picking teams. See where that goes. Both of whom have played professional basketball for what, almost a decade, despite their youth. <laughs> Keep in mind, though, the fan voting only counts for 50% of this. The player voting is 25%, and a media panel's voting is 25% as well. That makes up the other half. And then that's only for the starting lineups. So the coaches will then go on to select the reserves. But then those two guys could go head-to-head in selecting their teams from that pool of players. And one of those guys, undoubtedly in that player pool, somebody pretty well-versed in All-Star Weekend, is actually on the phone now. Jimmy Butler, coming up next. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Butler. Butler, get it! Jimmy G Buckets! Buckets! Now on the phone, one of my favorite players, one of my favorite people, Jimmy Butler, the perennial all-star. Thank you so much for taking the time. No, thank y'all for having me. I'm your favorite player, really? Yeah, I, I, well, I did say one of them. You are, though. Okay, you're, you're easily I'm one of my favorite I'm going to pretend like you said he won. Yeah. So, thank you. <laughs> my number one all-time favorite player. Yes. <laughs> but certainly one of my favorite people. But, Jimmy, I haven't seen you or talked to you since. I think that your baby was all of a week old the last time that you and I sat down and talked. And at the time, uh, yeah, at the time you were reflecting on that decision to sit out, you know, opening night, to miss opening night and, and to, to really shift your perspective. I'd like to know though, now as you're a couple of months into this season, how has that decision informed the rest of the way you've taken on this season in Miami? Uh, I mean, I just feel like, <clears throat> I look at every day a little bit differently now in the in why I do what I do. It normally it's because, you know, I want to be the best, which I still do want to do that. But all in all, all I'm thinking about is how can I make it home uh, to my daughter and be able to watch her grow into the beautiful lady that I know she's going to become one of these days. Mm. Uh, so that that's legit all that I think about every day. And when I'm on the road, it's, man, I can't wait to get home so she can cry in my arms. Well, I just have to ask as a parent, like, has your sleep, because I need to hear like you're, you're getting up in the middle of the night, like your sleep has gone down. It'll make Candace feel better. It'll just make me feel better with my parenthood experience. Well, you know, I think, 
uh, when you're a mother and you're a father, it's it's two completely different things. Um, and so I don't I don't really have to worry about too much crying. I don't I don't do too much. I know that sounds kind of bad. <laughs> I change a diaper here and there, but uh, I think I think I'm I just get to go hoop a lot of the times and come home and enjoy the the good parts of having a baby where she's up and when it's time for her to go to sleep, you know. But I don't I don't I don't got too much to worry about. Have you thought, though, at all about the expectation is that a female athlete is going to miss time when she has a baby? It's never been that a male athlete will do the same. And I think that by a superstar in the NBA choosing to make fatherhood and that birth moment a priority, things can shift. Have you thought about how that decision could help change the landscape in that regard? Uh, I mean, I hope for the better because I don't want to ever believe that basketball is number one in anybody's life because it definitely should not be don't get me wrong I love basketball as much as the next individual does but um, when you talk about like faith you talk about family there's so many other things and morals that have to go above basketball and being a father for the first time is is definitely up there with them and now that I have a a new bundle of joy that I do everything for and I want to set her up for success in the best way that I can um, I, I hope that nobody ever misses um, the birth of their child or something's wrong with their child. They're like, you know what? I got to pick between my child or my family and basketball for me. And it always will be an easy decision. Well, Eric Spolstra, the coach in Miami, was huge in that, in in the support of, of, of being a father, of having a family atmosphere. You've gone to Miami to fit in with that culture because you love the culture so much. How, how has that journey been for you thus far with the people um, outside of basketball? It's, it's so fun. Um, and I think it's so fun because I'm just allowed to be me on and off the court. Um, me is all that I've ever asked to be here. Um, and it's, it's fun. Obviously, you know, we get to put our feet in the water in the wintertime because it's, uh, 80, 75 <laughs> degrees outside. Um, but when you're talking slight about slight Spo, right? You know, <laughs> just just a little bit. Um, when you're talking about Spo and how he he's always including everybody's families and everything, that's huge because once again, I you know it may sound like I'm repeating myself, but families above basketball and they realize that. But then they also realize in between those lines, it's it's time to work. It's time to be the best. It's time to compete, and then it's definitely time to play. Um, as that Miami culture says that we have to play. And we've certainly, at least I have been surprised by how well your team has done. So, I mean, just this quickly but why? this season. Why is it so surprising? But, but to be this good this fast, is that not even why surprising it, well, to you? No. I don't, like, I don't understand how people <laughs> can be so I don't. I don't. I, I'm telling you, only because I've seen this since the beginning in the sense that I saw the way that these guys were, were training and working out and how they studied the film and studied everybody else around the league. And um, I'm not saying that I'm that big of a difference maker, but I'm not a bad basketball player. I would like to think <laughs> that I could change some I mean, things around. That's the understatement of the year, but yeah. okay. Whenever you're, you're I get good. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whenever I get somewhere, and I and I think that people um, overlook that, but man, these guys that I get an opportunity to play with, they play so hard. We play for one another. And more than anything, we preach enjoying everybody else's success. 
and we definitely do it every day. We're so happy for our young guys and the recognition that they're getting, bam, and going to be an all-star. Like, it is, it's incredible how much we support one another. Well, then you have to at least be a little surprised by how well a couple of the rookies have done. I mean, we're talking about this irrational confidence from Tyler Hero, night in and night out, and Kendrick Nunn, undrafted and out of nowhere, is is making well, history. Well, Kristen, here's the thing. I got it. I think the surprise, Jimmy, is coming with Hero. I mean, right. I don't know if anybody expected him to come down against the Sixers. <laughs> You're down two. And he shoots a step back three point shot. I mean, the the guts that this kid has, I think that's the surprise. Without a doubt, I mean, you see the this confidence on paper, that he's playing with. Exactly. But then to see what you guys have done on the court, I, I, maybe surprising isn't the word. Stunning. No, I mean, to to the untrained eye, it may be surprising. But I don't I don't know if I can cuss or not over the phone. But I'm about to go for it. Do it. Um, I see him shoot that bull all the time in practice, so it doesn't <laughs> surprise us. And I say bullshit in the sense that, like, people watching, but that is a terrible holy shit. He just made it. Like, to us, he does that every day in practice. We see him work on these shots every day in practice. So nobody's like, Tyler, no, you can't shoot that. No, I see you do that every single day. And um, when the game's on the line, that's the shot that I want to see because I, I see you doing it every day. I, I have more confidence in it than you do at some point in time. You know, if you miss three, I'm like, you better miss nine because I've seen you make those every day. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you have the loud heroes, I guess, in, in a sense of, of the way that he plays. And, I mean, it's loud. Everybody recognizes it. You have yourself that, you know, when you're on the floor. But, but Gorin, if you can talk about the way that he has switched his role this season and has been just a force off the bench, just that constant point guard. He could start a lot of different places, but he chooses yeah. to play his role in Miami, and he's playing it well, and you guys are having a successful season with him doing that. I mean, think about how hard that is to know that you're a starter in this league, to know that you're one of the best point guards on this planet, um, and to be asked to be the sixth man and to, to come off the bench to, um, you know, arguably a rookie when you're talking about him and K-9 playing the same position. And um, he's, he's so happy for K-9 and his success that he just does whatever we ask him to do. Hey, G, come in, play with a lot of energy, get everybody involved. We know that you can score the ball, so do that as well. And um, he's a big reason to our success. And we, we remind him every day. We thank him every day because we definitely wouldn't be in this um, position without him and without so many other guys that are coming off the bench for us. But he's been huge because he's an all-star. He is a starter. And he's one of the, the better leaders on this team. And that role that he has is so key because he's showing everybody else, I know what I'm capable of, but for this team, this is my sacrifice. I'm going to come off the bench and I'm going to star in that role. And you know, our newest teammate on TNT uh, also went from Marquette to Miami, like you did, Dwayne Wade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll be joining us. Man. How has he impacted your career? Uh, you, you're talking about a guy that, constantly plays with a chip on his shoulder, was always overlooked and just found a way to, to be the best and to win, of all things, to win, to be a champion. Um, that's what guys like me want, guys that are much better than me want, is to, to go out on his terms, but to go out being known as a winner, as a champion, as an incredible human being, um, for somebody that did so much for the city of Miami, for the game of basketball, for the people here. That, that guy is special. He always will be for the game, but 
man, if, if everybody could be able to just pick his brain, he's, he's so knowledgeable about so many different things. Well, fortunately, we plan on picking his brain, um, mm-hmm. you know, on Turner. Do you have any dirt on yeah, E-Wade? Well, I mean, he's our rookie. He's our rookie. So, you know, he's going to be buying the donuts. Right. And he's going to be wearing the stupid backpack. Uh, so uh, we just need a little bit of dirt on D-Wade for his first I day. Look, I can't help you right now as I am a sneaker-free agent. So I can't <laughs> say too much about maybe who knows. Um, my future boss. I, I'm just going to leave it alone. All right. Hey, you heard it. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm excited. This is going to yeah, be... Yeah, excited of not saying anything but saying everything right I like that could you see yourself perhaps being one of our teammates one day would this be something that you could see yourself doing of course and I feel as though like y'all would make me look better (laughs) around y'all too like that that's a blessing in itself uh, who knows? Who knows? People say I talk too much as it is Um, (laughs) well you might as well be paid to do it right? yeah get get paid for it. it right right and then you know it'll be you know, two Marquette individuals. One of them is better than the other. I'm not going to say who's better than who. I'm just going to say we both went to Marquette. That's all I'm saying. And y'all too. So I'm a, I'd be fortunate and blessed to be able to work with y'all. Yeah. I like the idea. I really like that. We got to start, like, you know, figuring out names for the show. I like it too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Jimmy has still a while that he's I mean, like, I know, but I'm just saying. Well. I'm just saying. <laughs> it could be a summer a thing. More yeah, we got a couple more years. A couple more. A couple more. <laughs> we do want to play a game with you before you go. Okay, because you've been known. For- Am I gonna hold on? Am yes. I gonna win? Am I gonna win? There's no way to lose. <laughs> Typical Jimmy okay. Butler yeah, but- <laughs> answer. That's it. I just gotta make sure I win. There's there's no way to lose. Okay, perfect. <laughs> there there are well, one could argue there yeah, are there only are losers involved some here. Type of ways to lose, but okay, we'll we'll get to that later. We're calling it the heat check with Jimmy Butler. The You've been known check. for your right. honesty, sometimes a bit too honest, which again could secure you a seat at this desk one day. But yeah. I'm going to ask you a question. You answer with the teammate that first comes to mind. Teammate, it be, it's any teammate. It could any be teammate. Miami. It could be Chicago. It okay. could be, like, across the board, any teammate you've had. Okay. We'll start easy because you're known for your style. Best dresser. Best dresser, uh, Dwayne Wade. Oh, yes. Dwayne Tyrone Wade Jr. <laughs> okay. I like that. I like, yeah. How okay. about the worst? Uh, Joe Kim Noah. <laughs> <laughs> I, Yo, I, I'd call him I casual. Love I love Joe. <laughs> He will put on anything and then put on a cashmere sweater and be like, yo, I got it. I was like, that cashmere sweater, don't do it. His confidence. So, I guess maybe he's yeah, the most confident, yeah. too. He can sell it. Yeah, he's yeah. selling it. You got to love him. So what's the teammate you'd have to worry about cheating in dominoes? Oh, man. I, w- I would go with Draymond since I did play with him mm. in the uh, Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's, he'll do anything to win as well. So you got you to gotta keep your eyes on that one. Keep your eyes on him. How about the funniest? Oh man! Oh, that that gotta go to DeAndre Jordan. That dude is. <laughs> yes. I don't know. He got a he got a for real problem. <laughs> I don't know. Like everything he does or says is, is just. I, oh, Melo's up there too now. Dang. I don't think yeah, people know put, that. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think, think people know is. that yeah. Melo's is, is as funny. funny as you're funny saying. Funny as I don't know, and he always has something to say. He always has something to say, and it just. It's perfectly timed, and it's quick, and it's a jab. And then it's just like, wow, I never thought of that. So, yeah, <laughs> Mellow or DJ? All right, what's the worst dinner tipper? 
If I had to guess, I would go with uh, Joel. <laughs> he, look, he wants every penny of his money, and there is nothing wrong with it. That is nothing wrong with it. Awesome. And I like it because when you when you bet with him about anything, if it's not a thousand and ten percent that he's gonna win. He's, he's not, not going to take bet. a bet. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I figure he, he's got to be that way if and when he tips. I, he's probably not, but he's a cheap individual. <laughs> I love it. Well, Man. Okay. One of the things that drew me to you as one of my favorite players, and but mostly people, was your affinity for Taylor Swift, your ability to sing. Who was your teammate <laughs> with the best hidden talent? Teammate with the best hidden talent. Oh, man. I can't pick myself because we all know that I'm a jack of all trades. You can name yourself uh, if you'd like. But no, it, no, it you cannot really? name no. yourself. But it has to be a talent hey. we don't know about. We already know that you can sing. Okay. See? I okay, can that was juggle. Good. Getting, right? I can play soccer. Here we go. Can't play it as well See, as you might think if you take Jimmy it. out of, we right. just knew he asked if he could win the game we right. were playing, and he's just going to start naming. And stuff. this is what, yes, he's good at. Right. He's yeah. going to okay, start okay. naming H- all the stuff. Hidden talent. Hidden talent. Um, trying to think of who I play with that could that could play an instrument. Yeah. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I'll go with um, I'll go with Gorin. Gorin actually used to play soccer at a very high level. I still don't think that he's better than me, but what? he. <laughs> Of course not. He's really, really good. All right. I have one last one. So we know you love country music and you're very vocal about that. Who would be the teammate that you would take with you to a country music concert? Easy. I've talked about this since I don't know how long. And it's because I piss him off all the time when I'm listening to it. Carmelo Anthony. (laughs) I told him, I told him during the Olympics, like, look, you always want to talk trash from our country music, but like whenever you witness um, a concert and the vibe, you're gonna be like, you know what? I rock with this. So right. Carmelo and Melo, I'm coming for you this summer, man. Let's, let's do this. I love it, and we love you, Jimmy. Thank you so much again for taking the time. I'm looking at the clock. I think it's past your bedtime, at least from what you've told us. So, so get it going. Def- it definitely is. Right. Well, appreciate you staying up and, and talking to us. Good luck the rest of the season, Jimmy. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. It's 2020, which means it's not only a new year, it's an entirely new decade. Resolutions might very well count 10 times. But then when I asked Candace if she had any, she didn't. (laughs) Neither did I. So instead, we're going to come up with a few for others. Why not? Time for the holidays. It's giving. Yeah. Right? You're right. Giving advice, giving presents. I mean. You're welcome, NBA. Here we come with your resolutions. I'm going to start with one of the most exciting teams, not just in the Western Conference, but in the league thus far this season, the Dallas Mavericks. I need them to resolve to finish fourth quarters. One of their biggest problems as of late is they're wasting Luka performances because they're not closing out a full game. If they did, I think they'd be a legitimate contender in the West. I mean, I think they're a contender, and I think that'll definitely help because Dallas has been fun to watch thus far. And But you're right. They uh, they got to close out games, and it didn't help that they were up by, like, 30 and then lost to the Raptors. The but reigning champions. Anyway. Without I mean, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. So. It's, okay. Well, I have a New Year's resolution for Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. I actually have two. Yeah. One okay. 
is to travel their defense on the road. On the road, they haven't had much success, you know, coming off of a real, not successful yeah, road just, trip. Just pack that defensive yeah, effort. Yeah, just pack that defensive effort. In that travel in bag. In that travel bag. It, you know, it's carry-ons. You can bring, <laughs> <laughs> you can even yeah, check it. So right. you don't have to, you know, pay figure the out extra, how much. Pay the baggage fee. Exactly. To travel, to travel your, defense. your defense. I think it's that. And then I think also finding a way to find space for Joel Embiid. Mm. I know they're not great outside shooting. They're not a great outside three-point shooting team, but big man scoring is down almost four points per game. And so they got to figure out how to find space for him to continue to dominate and be the big man that he can be. Or they could just sign you. I mean, you know, let's face the floor. As long as we could continue doing the podcast. That would be in the red line for sure. Without a doubt. thousand percent. I was trying to think of other resolutions as I went from Luca in my mind to Giannis in my mind as we talk about the two leading vote getters for All-Star Weekend thus far. But when I thought about Giannis, I, you know, if his resolution is to keep knocking down jump shots, to keep knocking down, at least attempting the three ball the way that he is, I don't think that anybody else's resolutions are going to matter on perhaps this side of this decade. I couldn't agree more. The, the, I mean... Last year, what he was doing on the court was unbelievable. And I mean last year, I mean last season. Right. Well, and and remember how many of us kept saying, oh, wow, if he could develop that jump shot, he'd be unstoppable. He was already unstoppable. But you know what, Kristen? I think a lot of people looked at the Christmas Day game in which they played against the Sixers, and he didn't knock down the three-point shot. And they used that as like, see, that's... I loved it because he kept trying to take it. Like, he kept at it. And that's one thing and that Coach Budenholzer has continued to empower him to do. As I've covered the Bucks a lot in the last couple of seasons, he gives him the green light. He wants him to develop that aspect of his game. And I think in order to develop it, as we've seen with many players in their career, you have to take it and you have to be willing to miss. And then you have to go back to the drawing board and figure out what you can do better. I think the, one of the most impressive things that's showing that he's improving his jump shot is – he shot almost over 80% for the first time from the free throw line in a game. I mean, free throws, you improve that, automatically your three-point shot improves. Do you have any other resolutions for any other teams? I have or one more. I All have right. one more. And it's for a team that is near and dear to my heart. I love the Clippers. I love watching them play. You know, everybody's going to go through adversity. In 2019, I don't know, they ended the year the way that they wanted to. Mm-hmm. But in 2020, I just want PG and Kawhi to be them. I want them to make a resolution that they're going to just play. They're not going to be so nice. I think they share Ooh. the ball almost too much. Wow. Got a, a bit too much into the holiday spirit. I think spirit. that they're in the holiday spirit of sharing. And I know we've gone through like Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and Christmas. There's so much love. There's so much love. It's over. It's yeah. done. The holiday season's over. Be selfish. Be selfish. That's what I want. <laughs> I want them both to be selfish on the offensive end. And then defense will fall into place. I like it. You know, Candace, now that we're having this conversation, I think that maybe we do need some resolutions. I know somebody that could probably help us with that. As do I. She's on the phone. Allie Love is coming up next. All right, fans, we're going down to the baseline to meet up with our dancing in arena host. Oh, that's right. She dances, she smiles, she laughs. Check her out. She's Allie Love. It's uh, it's nice to get her get her just for us because, you know, we're normally in a class where she's I feel she's like, talking to us. Right. I feel like she's always she's talking, talking to us, to but me. now she's really talking to us. Right. Um, you know, a lot of you guys probably got Pelotons for your Christmas, you know, uh, gifts and 
New Year's resolution is probably to ride the Peloton. Or to go to a Nets game. Or to go to a Nets game. Exactly. Um, Adidas Global Ambassador. Love that she represents the three stripes. Allie Love, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, hello. So happy to be with both of you. Thank you for having me. Doesn't she sound inspiring? Just yes, even right there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> First well, question. I'm going to fangirl both of you before Stop. you even ask me any questions. I'm a huge fan of both of you. Well, um, congratulations on all your success and, of course, for being a role model to everyone and navigating your career. So I just wanted to give you both a huge shout out before oh, we even started. Thank you. You both so are much. amazing. And, and I want to say thank you. No, that means a lot because I thought that maybe, and Candace thought this all so that you didn't actually like us considering how often oh. our legs and hind parts are sore because of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love you through sweat as well. I love you through sweat, yes. Well, you know, obviously you started off, you've had a lot of background in sports. You know, started off as a Knicks dancer and now you're a Nets host uh, for the last, you know, since two, 2012. Can you talk about how much of a sports fan you are and how big do you watch basketball? Is NBA on all the time? Do you follow it? What, what's your journey in that, in that uh, aspect? Yes, ball is life. Um, so <laughs> unlike both of you, I didn't grow up playing basketball. I was not as fortunate to be as amazingly talented as you both have been on the court. But um, I grew up because, and with the world of basketball because my mom used to play basketball in like high school and college. And so we grew up watching the Miami Heat. I'm from Miami. And it was on every game, away and home game. And it was one of those things where I had to kind of try to figure out my talent and fit it into the love of my family, which was the NBA. And so at a very young age, I, after being hit by a car at nine years old to kind of get back into the groove of life, I became a dancer. And the first thing that I did um, as a dancer was audition to be a Miami Heat junior jammer. So I was one of those young kids at the age of like 10 and a half on the court dancing so my mom could get free tickets to see the Miami (laughs) Heat at the arena. Um, So that was like my first introduction to the NBA lifestyle. Again, on the court, not so much, you know, playing the game. But I would say, like, yeah, NBA is a part of the DNA right now. You you very casually breezed over being hit by a car at nine and becoming a dancer at ten and a half. How do you overcome an obstacle like that? Um, well, it was definitely a pivotal moment in my life. Uh, basically, long story short, I was nine years old. I was crossing the street and a car was parked and it came out uh, from behind an ice cream truck and it hit me. I broke my left femur, scarred up my body. I was in the hospital for seven days. Um, and I had a weight at the end of my leg in suspension because they did make plates, like hip plates for young kids. Usually most adults, you know, unfortunately break their, their legs. So I had to wait for a while to have that surgery. And I remember the doctor telling my mom, you know, that she, that I would never potentially run normally again, you know, I'd have a hard time walking. And it was on the hospital bed, you know, when life was kind of not for surely like I wasn't for surely going to live that my mom did give me a really tough decision at the age of nine. And it's like, you have to choose life. Um, you know, we're big believers and, and we're religious and believe in God. And she was just like, you have to pray to God if you want to live. And it was a moment at nine years old that I decided that I want to live. And shortly after that, when he told my mom about not being able to run normally, it was where I wanted to become very active. And so my mom put me in a dance class and it was just my first introduction into being an athlete. I was a dancer and I used that talent to of course make my way on the court and inadvertently build the life that I have right now, which I'm so grateful to have been able to do that. Um, So, yeah. And that story, I think, makes 
you even more inspiring? I mean, we're, we're riding the bike, we're listening to what you're saying, we're thinking, okay, I've got 29 minutes left of this, you know, how hard can it be? But for you to have overcome an obstacle like that, having been told that you may never walk and now being known as, I mean, essentially a fitness icon in today's day and age, what do you tell yourself on days that you think maybe I just can't today? Well, I've never been called Kristen a fitness icon, so thank you very much. (laughs) Well, Um, add that to your bio. Thank you. I will. Don't worry. Um, well, to be honest, I think there's a level of humanity and that's what's so special about Peloton, especially our instructors. Um, I get to work with world-class instructors, but the most special thing about it's not only the camaraderie, but the level of humanity. And I think I go back to that moment of nine years old giving, you know, my mom giving me that decision at such a young age of life or death, like me choosing life or death. And I never take that for granted. So just like anybody out there, whether you're on the bike, you're on the court, um, you're at a love squad event, you're you know, just listening to this podcast right now, everybody goes through something is going through something and not every day is a breeze. And those days that are challenging for me, um, one, I remind myself that I'm just like everyone else. I'm uniquely me, but also so special to be like everyone else. And I also kind of remind myself that I know how it feels where life can be cut short in a moment um, where you're fighting for your life at a young age or at any age. And so I tried my best not to take life for granted. So I do live every day to my fullest. I have my downtime. Um, but those moments of, of hardship do remind me to continue to press through, to be able to understand that just because it doesn't feel good doesn't mean it's not good. Um, and that my whole outlook on life is to continue to boss up and cultivate and create a space where other women and other people can uh, follow me and of course be inspired. So I'm making their lives a little bit easier and that it's not always just about me and how I'm feeling at that moment. So it's a bigger picture and just knowing that life is, is uh, very special and can be taken away. You know, I think as a Peloton writer, you know, I think when I'm writing in the class, it feels like it's just me and you and, you know, you're inspiring me and you're inspiring an entire class, you know, across the world, really at that mm-hmm. time. Can you talk about how you started with Peloton? Was that something that you wanted to do? Um, you know, basically coming together and, and working out, it's more than just working out, you know, and, and you really provide a lot of inspiration during your ride. So can you talk about the journey that you've had with Peloton? Absolutely. Um, so before I was at Peloton I, and I was looking at my career, a lot of the things that happen as being the host of the Nets or Adidas Global Ambassador, um, becoming a Peloton instructor, creating my own company, most of those things, and I say this all the time when you have your careers, it comes e- either two ways. Either you've known since you are, were a kid that you were going to become this one thing and nothing was going to stop you, or throughout your life you have kind of taken or assumed the position where people that are in um, – People advise you on what you're good at. And I think that while I wanted to be a dancer at a young age, as I moved to New York and started to navigate my adult life, I have assumed that position of uh, people of authority or people in the know really advising me on what I've been good at. And so when it came to Peloton, being a Peloton instructor, one, is not easy. Two, it is such an honor to be able to affect um, 1.6 million people that we have on our platform now and growing. That's unbelievable. Um, So I think once I did that audition, they luckily offered me the job and I was trained by them. I was never a fitness instructor. I had never taught anyone really anything. I did some Pilates things once, but it was very short lived and maybe a month. Um, But this was my first time ever being an instructor, a teacher, and they, they saw something in me and I was very fortunate enough to have those eyes looking at me 
and giving me this this shot. Wow. Candace and I actually connected really early on over our love for Peloton, and it was Aisha Curry who got me into the idea of getting a Peloton. But I would imagine there have got to be at least a couple of people that you found out later were taking your classes and you were starstruck by. Like, is there anyone that has taken it? And you're like, are you kidding? That guy, that girl was just watching that? Um, I think that you know what's really special about our community. While we may have some known names that will take our rides, and and that's wonderful. Honestly, to both of you and to all your listeners, the beauty of it is that in our community, everyone is trying really hard to be them best, their best selves. So no, no matter what your title or your occupation, where you live, how old you are, where you are in your fitness training, I think the beauty of our community is that we come together, we support each other without any of those things being a factor. We level set the playing field and we say, you know what, we want to be a better version of ourselves. And whatever that looks like individually is what we come together collectively to pursue. But it's also got to be kind of cool that Hugh Jackman takes Peloton classes, (laughs) right? I mean, (laughs) it's Wolverine. It's cool to Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) I would say it's kind of cool that Kristen and Candace take those classes. Oh, well, thank you. And we, we are are religious guys, about our like, classes i'm not gonna lie and we're taking more in we're 2020 taking more in 2020 because it's december yes. you know the holidays you, you do more eating than pelotoning but that's the <laughs> new year's resolution but listen <laughs> i have a question because you know i've been in workouts where things have happened i've tripped or i've fallen over or there's practices where somebody stumbles and you she's know. a world-class athlete so i mean you're obviously training yes. people who aren't yeah well there's some people in your class that try very very hard but aren't world-class athletes so i just want to know what is one of the funniest or most embarrassing things that have happened in a peloton class I think, you know, it's funny because I, my mom will take my class and she will text me and like correct a story. And I think that that's funny. Uh, <laughs> I tell this story about her one time and my dad was driving and my mom has this huge crush on vanilla ice. And she told my dad, and I remember this and I asked my sister to validate it. And I'm telling this story on Peloton where I'm like, my mom is like telling my dad, we're in the back seat to follow the car that she thinks vanilla ice is in. And so my mom like messages me and was like, I never did that. And I was like, wait a minute, let me get. So I think that that's really funny because I think it's something special around having my family be a part of my career and to see what I do. Because as a young woman in New York, navigating my career for so many years, a lot of the things you have to you know, live in New York to come to a performance if you're a dancer or, you know, if you're, yeah, if you're not someone who's super famed, like my mom has to fly up here to see what I've created for myself. So in those moments of like when she'll check me around a story or, you know, my dad will say something around something I said or my dad will give me his favorite song or playlist are the moments that I find super special. I mean, of course, the, the community adds some value in terms of their amazing stories and their ability to overcome. But like the funny thing to me is just like having my family check me in a story that I told. It makes me feel it warms my heart that they're supporting me, that they're there. And of course, it makes me chuckle because when I hear that song or I, you know, I repeat myself on the bike. I'll tell that story again. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing. You know, it may be an inside joke, but those are the moments that are super special for me. And you've been with the Nets even longer than you've been with Peloton. Have any of the Nets said that they are Peloton riders? Do you know of anybody who's getting some extra work in off the court? You, uh, yes. I am always surprised. Not, not surprised at how big our community is, but I'll be on the court and, you know, some of the commentators will tell me that they take my rides, the coaches of different teams, um, the players. 
And then I always love, this is always a special moment for me too, because I'll be on the court and I'm just doing, you know, an activation. I just introduced like maybe the Brooklyn Nets kids dance team and I'm standing there while they're dancing and one of the rest will come over and they'll like, <laughs> Night Ten Hills ride, you know, and I'm like, Wait Oh, a everybody so, knows so that ride. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm like the rep, take my ride. That is like, that's cool. I love that. Well, during your rides, you, you always talk about bossing up and, you know, first of all, where did that come from? And, and secondly, what are your tips to everybody in the community to boss up in 2020? Yeah, I think everyone's a boss. We navigate our personal and professional lives in a way where, like I always say, we want to be better. And there's no one roadmap for no one person. And in those moments, and I have to tell you, to be honest, um, when I'm training, when I'm, again, on those down days, the, hearing the word or being called a boss does make me feel good. Bosses set the standards. They establish a tone. When you walk in a room, you have the power, the ability to empower other people, to change their perspective, their attitudes, just by adding some joy, by a positive or kind note, um, just by great energy. So to me, that's what it means to be a boss is that any room you step in, you set the uh, standard, you establish tone. You don't need to follow rules when you're setting standards. And I think that that's always been my overarching mantra or, or like tagline or word that I carry with me in a reminder that is my responsibility to be my best self, uh, to add that little bit of kindness or that little bit of patience or understanding into the world just to make it easier for other people. That's what a boss does. That's what a boss does continuously. And yeah, bosses cry. They get angry. They get upset. They give themselves time to feel all the feels and then they get out there and continue to be proactive. But when you go into 2020 or any new year or any milestone, here's the one thing that I think is really important in being a boss. One, recognize that starting over doesn't mean that you failed. It just means that you have the fortunate opportunity to start again and we should be grateful for that. And that's how I look at it. Don't set, I don't set myself up um, with lofty goals of like, if I didn't do something every week, then all of a sudden I'm doing it eight times a week or five days a week or something. I do it once a week to say, you know what? I've done it for four weeks straight. That's four times I've done it more than I've ever done it in my life. Whether that's eating healthy, whether that's taking a Peloton class, whether that's reading, anything that you set yourself up for, you want to make sure that you're setting it in a place where you can be successful. That is sustainable. Sustainability is so important. And I think having those key factors of knowing, yes, there's no one roadmap for anyone. You can start over many times and start small. Don't try to go too big because starting small is sustainable. I think that's what it means to be a boss and, and to set out on a new year or to approach any milestone. I'm a little disappointed only because usually when you are giving that kind of inspiration at the end of it, I've at least burned some calories. <laughs> not this time. Not this time. <laughs> tomorrow. I, yeah. There's always tomorrow. You know what? Tomorrow. Gotcha. We'll meet Allie, you there tomorrow. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for inspiring us so regularly. And we have both committed to allowing you to inspire us even more often this year. Oh, thank you both for having me. Honestly, I cannot stress how much I'm honored and so grateful to be speaking to both of you. So thank you for affording me this opportunity. Oh, no. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Have a good one. Happy New Year. That's all the time we've got for this week. Well, I guess we have all the time we want, but that's all we've got for this week. A huge thank you to Jimmy Butler for joining us, especially during the middle of the season, and to Allie Love, who Candace now at least has yeah, given us. I'm going to be on the Peloton tomorrow. I don't know about you, Kristen. A New Year's resolution. New Year, new me. <laughs> I don't know. Let's uh, ease back on that. New decade, perhaps. 2020 is the year. <laughs> Next week, we're going to cross sports and pop culture with perhaps the king of NBA Twitter. Don't miss it. <laughs>